Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Mars moving through Taurus 2, or the second decan of Taurus. Uh, this is the area of the zodiac between 10 and 20 degrees of Taurus, and we're going to examine all of the aspects that Mars is going to make. Uh, Mars is going to make a square to the sun on February the 1st. Uh, it will be conjoining a fixed star called Menkar at 14 degrees of Taurus on the 4th of February. Then we're going to be seeing Mercury retrograde squaring Mars at 17 degrees of Aquarius and Taurus, respectively, on the 10th of February. And finally, we'll touch on Mars making a sextile to Neptune on the 13th of February. We will also talk about an I Ching reading that I did for this particular uh, period of time with Mars. So let's get to it. I'm going to share my screen here. Hope everyone is hanging in there and doing well and that you have weathered Mars's movement through Taurus 1, which was fairly eventful. Uh, we had Mars making a conjunction with Uranus on Inauguration Day. Uh, we had Mars uh, doing some, some business with Saturn, making a square with Saturn during that period of time. Uh, also, we had a square with Jupiter. Uh, actually, not yet. Mm, nope, check that. We did have Jupiter square during that period of time. Sorry, I'm getting my bearings here. Um, but let's talk about uh, the condition of Mars as it moves into the second decade of Taurus. This, this is going to be happening from January the 26th, Tuesday at 11.21 p.m. Uh, and all the way till Valentine's Day, Sunday, uh, February the 14th at 9.43 a.m. It'll move into 20 degrees of Taurus. So we're just looking at small chunks of time here so we can get in depth into what this might mean for us. Um, so let's talk about the condition of Mars. Mars is going to be disrupting our regular routines in this position. Uh, Taurus 2 talks a lot about farming and the, and the regularity needed to take care of the crops. So we're going to be kind of diving into uh, what that might mean for us. Now, Mars is in its exile in the sign of Taurus. And that means that it is in a sign where it is opposite one of its homes or preferred temples or domiciles. So Mars is a ruler of Scorpio and Aries, but it's in the opposite sign. It's in a Venus ruled temple. So that's just automatically an awkward position for Mars because Venus is trying to create harmony. So this is an area where <clears throat> we are trying to create growth. We're trying to create unity between body and soul. But Mars is a planet that likes to produce separation. It likes to speed things up. It's not necessarily known for patience. It's, it wants to aggressively pursue things where Venus is a planet or a, an area where we may be required to uh, allow things to come to us. So again, we, this is a disruptive force in the, the area of Taurus. Um, so we're, we're experiencing maybe some starts and some stops, some, some difficulty with the, the concept of inertia, where we may be uh, having difficulty getting ourselves moving, or we have, may have difficulty being patient for the things that need to have time to, to, to grow in the earth. Um, a lot of the things I was saying in, in uh, Taurus 1 with Mars here is you can't, you can't rush 
the growth of things. You can't water something twice in one day and expect it to, to grow twice as fast. That's just not the way that nature works. So we have to do what is necessary and then work with nature to be able to uh, allow the natural processes to, to happen and be a partner with them rather than working against them. So this is, this is some of the things that we may be experiencing with Mars in exile. Now, the host of Mars is Venus. Venus is going to be uh, starting out in the third decan of Capricorn. So we're always looking to the host as to what, what types of things are going to be offered up as nouns for the, the planet that's moving through uh, the, the temple as a verb. So Mars is, is bringing us the verb of severance, separating, speeding up, conflict, um, and Venus is offering up significations from its position in Capricorn 3 of, you know, trying to bring together people in, in authoritative positions, uh, trying to bring together administrators to do material work and to be able to govern the people. Um, I think that we've seen this over the last few weeks with a lot of uh, discussions in Congress about how to uh, administrate a split Congress. And there's been a lot of arguments about what procedures are the best and, and how we should move forward, at least here in America. So this is, that's one manifestation that we could see with Venus having a focal point on governance. Now, we will see a shift. And, and right now with Venus and Capricorn, Venus is in a trine relationship with Mars. So there's a somewhat of a, a cooperative type of uh, experience between those two planets. But on February the 1st, the host of Mars, Venus, will move into Aquarius. And it will move into a square with Mars. So this is a, a square by whole sign. And it will join that, that very large pile up in Aquarius. We have a, re a real focal point on the, the Aquarian area of the sky in the month ahead. Uh, so, and this is the overcoming position to Mars. So in traditional astrology, the, the planets that were earlier in the zodiac from, from center, okay? So if we look at center and we think about left versus right, if we're looking out from the center, all of these planets in Aquarius are on the right side Okay, which is called the Dexter side. Okay, I don't know why I did a little retrograde mark there, but you'll get the idea. And the left is called the sinister side. So we have Dexter and sinister, right and left. And the planets on the right side are in the overcoming position, which means they sort of have an upper hand. They have a little bit more ability to, um, you know, pursue their agendas and have a, a leg up on the planet that is in the, the sinister position. So Mars is really having to make a lot of compromises with all of these planets in Aquarius. And we may want to move forward and try to pursue some of our material realities, but we're really having to think about uh, how it fits into the greater scheme and how it fits into maybe more altruistic um, motivations, how it fits into the whole rather than our, our personal desires. So this is something that is really limiting the movement of Mars right now, especially with Saturn in that overcoming position. Um, so that's something to keep in mind with the, the condition of Mars right now. Uh, the, the face rulers in the second decan of Taurus are the moon and Mercury, the moon by descending Chaldean order and Mercury by the triplicity system. The tarot card associated with this decan 
is the six of pentacles. And in it, we see a well-clothed figure uh, handing out alms to the poor. He is carrying the scales of justice. And so this, this card has been associated with charity, with uh, philanthropic efforts. Um, in the fifth uh, card of the pentacles, we saw these two figures outside of a church, uh, perhaps having sustained an injury or uh, perhaps uh, dealing with destitution or the fear of destitution. And here they are receiving something. Now we have to be careful about thinking about this theme um, because this is Mars and Mars separates us from this theme. So this, there may be some uh, circumstances that come up where we're being separated from philanthropic efforts, where we're separated from charitable uh, gifts, where we're separated from maybe a potential benefactor in our life. Uh, and that could be painful as well. Again, one of the things that I like to talk about with um, particular planets are the, the chart will give us the problem and the solution. So the problem right now is we may be separated from things that normally would provide for us in a generous way. So we may have to fight or become the warrior or, or be able to have courage to be able to pursue those things that brought us a sense of stability. So this may be something that's on our mind when Mars is th moving through Taurus too, is how can we have the courage to pursue the things that, that brought us stability, inner peace, uh, you know, material um, stability. Uh, those are all things that are going to be coming up while Mars is moving through this section of the Zodiac. Book T calls this uh, material success. Uh, the Book of Toth just calls it success. Austin Kopic in his first edition of 36 Faces calls this Deccan a, a Linga Yoni, um, or like a Shiva Lingam, you know, which was associated with fertility. So this is a, a, a Deccan associated with fertility rites, with planting the seeds into the fertile ground that we've worked with the plow in the first Deccan of Taurus. So, you know, this is a place where we're expecting fertility. And Mars and Saturn were, were two planets that were considered malefic in traditional astrology that were sort of the antithesis of life that was separating us from life. And if you want to think about it from an Aristotelian uh, type of uh, mindset, Mars was very hot and dry and uh, an overabundance of heat can create drought. Dryness can create separation, whereas as Saturn was the concept of cold and dry, where the coldness was, uh, you know, frost. And that's creating the separation. So this is something where we, through potentially through becoming a little bit too aggressive, becoming a little bit too heated uh, in regards to these themes, we may be creating some separation where we were hoping for unification. Um, the, the daimon or spirit associated with this Deccan is, are the Horai. Uh, and the Horai were goddesses of the seasons. Uh, they were responsible for uh, the order of nature. They presided over the revolutions of the heavenly constellations. Um, they were the sisters of the Mori, which were the three fates. So th they were the things that were setting things in motion, that were talking about the, the natural order that was necessary, the, the ability to, to wait and to see the, the process play out. Uh, they were honored by farmers who planted and um, tended to their crops with the rising and setting of the stars. This is something that I learned in this very good website called 
uh, Theoi, which is T-H-E-O-I.com, where they talk about all of these Greek myths and these goddesses and diamonds and all of that. It's a great resource. I'd really recommend checking it out. And there were three of them. Uh, and they were named Eunomia, the, the goddess of good order and good pasture, Irene, which was associated with peace and the spring, and Dike, which was associated with justice. And all of these formed the condition for farming prosperity. So we have these, these goddesses that are encouraging us through our Venusian patience uh, to create a steady rhythm. And Mars is going to be something that may disrupt that steady rhythm. Uh, it is going to be, you know, kind of throwing a, a little bit of a wrench in our normal patterns that we expect um, consistency with. So we're going to have to work a little bit harder to maintain our focus, to maintain our patience, to maintain our ability to keep sowing the fields of our life with regularity. Um, so this is really a time to, to be able to meditate and focus and resist potential temptations to get off of our regular routines. And some of that is inevitable. We're not always going to be able to avoid some of the things that crop up in our life. But remember, Mars was associated with the, the with twists and turns of fortune that may be experienced negatively. Um, it was associated with the sixth house and the with the joy system in traditional so, in tra astrology, which was a, a a house of bad 2K or, or chance that was misfortune. So we may have some misfortunes that come up in our life that are unavoidable, that may throw us off our routines, and we have to kind of make adjustments. All right. Um, so what we are looking at here, as far as just finishing up condition with, with Mars, is it's going to be still co-present with Uranus. So Uranus is shaking things up. It may be lending a little bit of idealism to the, uh, the expression of Mars. And we may be feeling a little bit frustrated that our material reality doesn't match our idealized material reality or our idealized reality. Uh, we have a, a vision of how we want to use um, the, the substance in our life. And uh, we may be feeling a little bit rebellious because we want to bring something new into existence, but it's, it's potentially going a little bit slower or, or we're not having the, the success that we hoped at this point. Um, and one of the things we need to do is just have some patience and maybe release some attachment to expecting all of the manifestations to be visible all at once. Doesn't mean we don't stop doing the work. It just means that we may not see the fruits of our labor right now. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Mars is going to be in a trine relationship with Venus and Pluto, uh, but very shortly, it's going to be moving out of that relationship and into a square with Venus and a square with Saturn, the sun, Jupiter, and a soon to be retrograde Mercury. So a lot of conflict in how we are maintaining our, our rhythms how we are using our resources, how we plant the fields of our life. And a lot of the challenges are because we are seeing a lot of disagreements about how society in general should be structured right now. And that goes for the structures of our life too, of our, of, you know, the, the societies that we're a part of as a family, the societies that we're a part of as our smaller, excuse me, communities. 
it's not just the, 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 the very big picture. It's just some of the bigger pictures of our life. So we may not have the ability to, to move forward under our own power as much as we may like. We may have to, um, you know, take things a little slower and in a little bit more of an Aquarian fashion where we're not just taking our own needs into account, but the needs of, of our milieu. All right. So let's get into some of the, um, the transits of this time frame. So we'll look at one chart. And we're going to start out with um, January 26th. You could see there's our ingress period at 10 degrees. And we're going to move forward and see that we do have a full moon during this period of time. Ah, everything's going crazy. Um, sometimes if you hit the button too quickly, it'll go weird. So during this period of time, we do have a full moon in uh, Leo. So that will be part of our story. And this Mars is going to be squaring that full moon. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get another video out the door this week on the full moon. But this, this may be some tension about how we are using our resources. Um, some tension between the haves and the have-nots. The people who have um, authority, the people who have the power, and the people who are on the fringes of society. So um, that Mars is going to be stirring up some anger uh, about how resources are distributed between these two factions. Uh, Leo being associated with the, um, the concept of selection, of being special, of the king, the people who have the, the authoritative um, power. And Aquarius being associated with the exile, people who are on the fringes and, and that may be cast out, the outcast. So again, this is going to be a little bit of a volatile time during this Mars transit. Um, we're going to see Mars move uh, into a square relationship in the very beginning of February, starting, there's going to be sort of an adherence uh, in the last few days of January um, between um, Mars and the sun. Just wanted to check something real quick because I didn't write this down, but Mars is going to be moving through the terms of Jupiter from 7 to 14 degrees of Capricorn. Oh, not sorry, Capricorn, looking at my chart here. Sorry, it's going to be moving through the terms of Mercury from 8 to 14 degrees of Taurus and then moving into the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 22 degrees. So there may be some questions uh, with having Mercury as a bound lord, where there's some confusion over how we're pursuing resources, and things may start to get a little bit easier after this square with the sun. Um, I think that's a this is a, a period of time where we have some instability, but when you have a benefic bound lord like Jupiter, things start to get a little bit a little bit easier. So let's take a look. So between about January 29th and February 1st we're going to see Mars making a square to the sun. Now, this is a last quarter square. If we, if we think about the relationship between the sun and Mars, like we would a lunar cycle, this is a, a period of time where we're seeing uh, kind of an existential crisis between Mars and the sun. And this is a, a, a type of time frame. If we're thinking about like Dane Rudyard's last quarter phase relationship where we may be changing our minds about something. Now, the, the seed of this particular cycle was on uh, 
September the 2nd, 2019, we had a Sun-Mars conjunction at nine degrees of Virgo. And this is a continuation of that cycle. So if you are trying to think about what, what you may be changing your mind about, where you may be having a crisis of faith, look back on September 2nd and the beginning of September 2019 to, to get some clues to that. Now, this is happening around 12 to 13 degrees of Aquarius and Taurus, respectively. And this could be where we're having some difficult negotiations between people that are uh, in power and people that are on the fringes of society. This is one of the themes of the sun moving through um, the second decan of Aquarius. Um, insiders versus outsiders. Again, this was some of the theme that we were experiencing during the, the, the full moon as well. So most likely, my guess, especially with Mars moving through this decan of Taurus, is that there's some, there's some arguments about how, how to distribute relief, charity, money from the government. We're, we're still waiting for COVID relief packages and stimulus and all of those things. I think that this could be something where we see some of that be, come to a head um, so that, that, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, making the decisions for the community that we have all these, these uh, hoops that we have to jump through and these arguments. We have Democrats and Republicans, people in power who are saying this is how much it should be. And, you know, the, and all the while the, the people are still waiting, still having difficulty paying rent, buying food, fi you know, finding relief from these challenging circumstances that Saturn, you know, is bringing us courtesy, courtesy of Saturn, you know, uh, we, we are feeling like we're exiled and we are not getting the things that we need because of just, just of circumstance. It's not really necessarily um, anybody's fault that we're in this circumstance, but we need solutions at this point. So this may be a point of tension on the, on February the 1st, where, where we start to get frustrated that we're not seeing the relief yet that we, that we need. All right. So let's move forward to the next aspect that we might expect. Now, the next thing that we could see, and this could also be part of this square too, is we have uh, Mars conjoining a fixed star called Menkar. Now, Menkar was in the constellation Cetus the Whale. And I'm not going to pull my star chart up here because I think I'll mess up my share. But, but Cetus was a, a, a sea monster. And uh, it was, you know, kind of like the Kraken. If, you, if any of you have seen the movie The Clash of the Titans in 1981 with Harry Hamlin, uh, that story of Perseus and Andromeda where, you know, and Andromeda's mom, Cassiopeia, the queen, kind of insulted one of the goddesses. I believe it was either uh, Hera. I think it was Hera or, or Athena in her temple and, um, you know, compared her beauty her daughter's beauty to, to a goddess. And that was very insulting. That was a, a, a demonstration of hubris. And, uh, you know, that, that goddess was not happy and, and demanded a sacrifice to the sea monster. So poor Andromeda, the princess, had to be chained up to a rock and become a sacrifice for this giant sea monster, which we can see as Cetus. And, it, and some say it was a whale, some say it was like a, some kind of other type of monster. But what we can see with Menkar, Menkar is the, the nose of the whale. It means nose, but we can also think about it as the mouth of the sea monster. So Menkar is, is kind of part of 
a, a little bit of a pantheon of monsters that we see below the ecliptic. So we have some difficult stuff like Hydra, uh, Menkar, uh, we, part of Cetus, we have like Lupus, the wolf, we have all these creatures that are, are in the southern part of the heavens, um, maybe below the, the surfaces of our consciousness. We have the upper heavens and the lower heavens. And um, we can think of this fixed star associated with violence erupting from the depths. Maybe it's the depths of our subconscious. Bernadette Brady talks about the collective unconscious with Menkar. So there could be hidden forces that are disrupting our collective stability with Mars uh, on this fixed star. Um, so this may be a period of time where we're really seeing in the collective some potentially maybe some violence, some anger, some frustration that has been deeply buried and it may just erupt like that sea monster, like that great kraken uh, that would threaten to consume us or consume our innocence. Because uh, Androm Andromeda was innocent. Andromeda was just kind of a, uh, you know, a periphery. Uh, she was one of the people who was, you know, this young maiden, this young goddess, this young, uh, I guess, uh, princess, not goddess. And, you know, her, she, it wasn't her fault that, that uh, Cassiopeia compared her beauty to a goddess. So she was just kind of uh, on the fringe uh, of this story and kind of an innocent victim. So, you know, maybe there is something with that story that comes up where we're getting mad about the innocent victims of whatever our circumstances are. And that could get, that could create some conflict as well. So just be careful that you're not getting swept up in some of the collective anger. This can be a great time to detach from some of the collective stories that may cause us to, to get off of our equilibrium and off of our rhythms. A very important time during the, this, these first few days of February with Mars on Menkar. So let's continue to move forward. And Menkar is going to come back in the end of our video with our, with our um, I Ching reading. There is a, a really interesting synchronicity between that Menkar energy and the, the hexagram that I pulled up. And I'm going to keep it a secret until the end here. <laughs> but um, Let's take a look at the next aspect. So on February the 10th, between about the, oh, I don't know, the 8th and the... Um, the 10th and the 11th, we're going to see Mercury retrograde making a square with Mars. And Mercury retrograde is going to be in the overcoming position, a little bit more of a powerful position. So this is where those negotiations may be taking place. Uh, we're reviewing something during this period of time. We may be having some really difficult feelings or we're reviewing some violence in the past. I can't help but notice that this is going to be the period of time that Congress has scheduled for uh, Donald Trump's impeachment trial. So uh, we're going to be bringing up facts and, uh, you know, some, you know, thoughts from the past that need to be reviewed. There could be a lot of disagreement about it. Uh, we are uh, needing to um, renegotiate our, our, our opinions. Um, we are potentially having rash argumentative outbursts. I, I have no doubt that there will be arguments from certain members of Congress as to whether this is the appropriate thing, whether it's creating division or whether it's creating unity. Um, my personal opinion on this, and this is, like I said, my opinion, but you know, 
there needs to be some kind of, uh, oh, I don't know what you would call it, um, checks and balances when it comes to people trying to create uh, insurrection consequences. And if we just sweep uh, the consequences uh, under the rug and we say, oh, we just need to move forward and let this go, we're, we are planting the seed for future autocratic dictatorial type of leaders to sow this type of civil unrest. So my personal opinion is, is that it is a responsibility of the Congress to create consequences even after the fact, and it is not sowing division. What it is doing is setting up uh, a, a punishment that will discourage future, um, I don't know, future fascist type actions. Um, and I think that's important for the preservation of our, our of our democracy moving forward. I think that the things we saw on January the 6th when Mars was making a conjunction with Uranus were something that was uh, very disruptive to the very fabric of our democracy. And hopefully there will be um, something that happens that discourages that type of behavior in the future. Uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know if I have faith that that the leadership in place is going to be able to carry that out, but we'll see. This will be a period of time where Mercury is really asking those tough questions to see how we are going to resolve that issue moving forward. And this may be playing out in different parts of the world too with different stuff. I'm trying to keep up with, with uh, you know international news, but I've got a lot on my plate with what's going on in America right now. <laughs> so I apologize if, if you have other things that are going on in, in your neck of the, of the woods, um, please feel free to add a comment and, and keep me in, up to date as to what's going on internationally as well. All right, so that's what we're seeing on February the 10th with a Mercury-Mars square. So as we continue to move forward, we have one more aspect during this period of time. And that is happening on February the 13th, where we're going to see a sextile between Mars and Neptune. So this is some, an aspect where our actions, Mars, could potentially be motivated or colored by some kind of illusion, Neptune, some kind of desire to transcend our physical reality. Uh, this could be where we're just going with the flow of energy um, we potentially want to uh, take enlightened actions. But one of the things that came up in uh, this great book, uh, The Archetypal Universe by Ren Butler, was talking about enlightened non-action. So this could be a period of time where we're, we are realizing that we can't force our way into solution. Uh, this also will tie back to our I Ching reading at the end. I love how they're all kind of coming together. The I Ching is a great resource. This could also be a time where we're losing steam. I, I really do find that uh, when planets contact Neptune, it's like all of our motivation just kind of dissolves into this universal substance. And I feel tired and sometimes disillusioned and just I want to rest. So this could be a period of time, you know, right after, right before Valentine's Day where we're just losing some steam. Maybe there's some conflict, some unrest in the, in the collective that, that we're having difficulty processing, and we may just be a little bit fatigued around this period of time. Um, we may feel a little bit of indecisiveness. We could have some spiritual ambition rather than physical ambition, so this may be a good period of time to really double down on your meditative practices, 
the things where you're feeling connected with source rather than just getting too concerned with pursuing material stability. So that's this is going to be a great way to finish off um, Taurus 2, Mars and Taurus 2. Now, the hexagram that I pulled for all of you, uh, which is a, this is an ancient um, Chinese uh, divination process where we cast coins or sticks and we get six broken or unbroken lines. And I am drawing them on the screen for you. And I received the hexagram 33 with no changing lines. So very interesting. 33 is a hexagram called retreat or withdraw. So interesting, isn't it? That we were talking about wanting to move forward, but yet we have this stack up in Aquarius that is potentially asking us to slow down. Uh, we've got Saturn creating that overcoming position, asking us to slow down. Uh, retreat is interesting. Retreat um, is really about, it's not necessarily about defeat. Retreat is kind of um, reserving your energy to, to be able to fight another day. So this is kind of like the army is withdrawing or retreating uh, from a battle, not necessarily to, to just give up, but to, to not wander into a situation that is um, dangerous, that, that where they may experience loss or, or some kind of um, being outnumbered or things like that. Sometimes you have to withdraw from a situation and really think about your position, think about the conflict, think about whether what you're doing is motivated by spirit or by just um, base desire. And there is no shame in that. There's no shame in taking a break, in not necessarily having to force your way through something. Now, one of the, the, um, one of the translations that I routinely draw from, Hillary Barrett's, uh, Ask, ask questions. And the questions that she asks with retreat is what must you do to stay safe and whole? How can you change your relationships so that they support your integrity? Okay, this is important. Uh, how can you maintain dignity while you disengage from ego conflicts? And she has a quote. It says, retreat creates success. Constancy yields a small harvest. So this harkens back to our ability to maintain consistent effort over time. It doesn't mean we have to have a, a large show of force. It doesn't mean that we have to just do nothing. It just means that we have to show up every day, chop wood and carry water, chop wood and carry water. We have to do the little things in our life. We can't overwater the crop. We can't overfertilize. We can't um, expect something to happen all at once. Taurus is a, is a temple that slows everything down. Whenever a planet moves through that area of the zodiac, it says, now we, patience is required. Now you must work with the goddesses of the seasons, with the Horai, and work with the natural rhythms. And if you do that, that will probably be the best way to create success. So by withdrawing, it also says, here's some more things that came up in my 
uh, I Ching study. I had this great app, and it's called the I Ching, Y-I-J-I-N-G, that is an app on the, uh, the Apple App Store that where you can download multiple books and translations of the, the I Ching. So I, I like to look at a number of different translations to be able to get a feel for what this means. And, and some other things that came up, it says, withdraw from what could harm you or swallow you up. Okay, I thought that was really interesting because we talked about Cetus the whale and Menkar being swallowed in the, the, the unconscious, the collective unconscious and the collective anger. We could get swallowed up in it. And so withdrawing from that, that collective rage can potentially lead to a better result. So not getting caught up in these collective movements where we're you know, adding to the difficulties that we feel as a, as a group mind uh, and withdrawing back into ourselves. Taurus is about creating inner harmony. Venus, this is the nocturnal domicile of Venus where we are trying to unify body and spirit and create peace through our inner experience. Whereas maybe Venus will create outer harmony through Libra, through social harmony. But this is a time where it's very important for us to check in with ourselves and say, what are, how do we relax? How can we not get pulled in to these collective arguments, these collective stories? They're just stories. They're temporary stories. I want to really uh, make a point of emphasis of that is what we're experiencing now is part of a cycle. And we have to understand that we may be going through a difficult part of the cycle. But like any farmer, when we are faced with drought, like we may be experiencing here with Mars in Taurus, we have to water the fields. Um, but sometimes we just have to wait. We have to cut our losses. And we don't double down. We don't plant more seeds in the middle of a drought. Do you see what I'm saying? Because that would double our losses. Sometimes we have to accept that there are forces that are greater than ourselves, And that's what this stack up in Aquarius is telling us, is there, there may be some forces that are greater than, than just ourselves that are at work here. And it's not necessarily your fault. You know, release your guilt and shame for not doing more right now. All right? You can, in it, more notes. It says, maintain wholeness. It says, this is not a defeat. This is a, an action that avoids defeat. Withdrawing or retreating, uh, by retreating, an army stays intact. It says you can move away from threats and towards integrity. Pay less attention to immediate results. Stay loyal to your long-term objective. Withdraw like a hermit. Release attachment to tangible rewards. Man, that is resonating with me right now. Um, I think that I tend to have a, a, a bit of a hermetic disposition where I, I, it's difficult for me sometimes to be more of a public figure, to be somebody who is interacting with the public. Sometimes I feel like it pulls me away from some of my longer term goals, which is, is wisdom. I really love to study. I really love to learn. And there are times where I have to balance sharing my wisdom on a public platform with studying, reading books, and, and learning more. And it's a delicate balance. And there are times where um, I may you know, be pulled into opportunities where I could become more uh, public. And I've, sometimes I've avoided that. And um, that is something that we maybe 
experiencing as a collective right now. This was true in my music career too. Like when I was a musician, I got offered an opportunity, uh, one of the bigger opportunities that that turned out to maybe be not necessarily an opportunity looking back on it is I was offered uh, to, to audition for The Voice. I don't know if you're familiar with that, like this, that was the, one of those, those like singing game shows. And what you don't realize when you watch those shows is they're not random. They actually have headhunters that go out and, and, and recruit um, professional musicians to come on the show and audition. And I was a professional musician and I received one of those headhunter emails to say, we would like you to come out and audition for this show, but you'd need to fly out to Los Angeles from the Midwest and drop everything for uh, six weeks, pay for your own lodging, pay for your own flight. And um, at the time that just wasn't uh, something I could do. I couldn't stop everything in my life for the chance that that would raise my profile or something of that nature. And I had to withdraw and retreat from that um, offering because I, I was, I was a, I'm a parent. I had classes I was teaching. I couldn't drop everything and do it. And looking back on it, I've had many friends that actually did go on a show like that. And they had a, a momentary increase in their profile. And they may have gotten a couple good gigs from it. They may have gotten a little boost in their in their, uh, I don't know, visibility, but eventually it just went back down to their normal kind of uh, thing. And uh, you have to think about when you're offered something like that, who is it really benefiting? And, 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 and when I was thinking about this, um, that particular opportunity was benefiting the producers of that show. And it was kind of this thing where uh, I could feel that like, you know, being sucked into something where uh, it felt like being used and it didn't feel right to me. Um, and it ended up not being the greatest opportunity in general. So I would caution you if you have experiences like this or you're finding yourselves with situations like this, um, it's okay to withdraw from some of those sometimes. And it may be difficult. It may be difficult to tell people no. It may be difficult to feel like you are missing out on something. Uh, it may be difficult in this um, economy of attention to feel like you are not uh, doing everything in your power every second of the day to command people's focus. And my counter argument to that is this. If you withdraw like a hermit, uh, the goal of the hermit is, is to connect with spirit, is to connect with the divine and to, to continue to learn and be somebody of integrity. And there will be times in your life where it, I think that we can release all these adornments. Mars is separating us from the adornments of Venus and say, all of that stuff is just fluff. It, at the end of the day, you have a relationship between you and spirit, you and your own inner spark. And I've, I've said this on other videos too. It, sometimes it doesn't matter if you have 100,000 people watching what you're doing or just 10. If you are giving the absolute best of yourself to those 10 people, you know, I had someone who commented 10 people is a classroom, you know, 30 people is a, is a webinar, is a lecture hall, you know, 100 people is like a, you know, a stadium or a small venue. If you're giving the best, the absolute best of yourself to those 10 people, that 
is something that is in service of the divine collective spirit. And I, I, that was something that was really powerful for me as a musician too, because I played a lot of, I played farmer's markets. I wasn't playing stadiums. And I realized as I was, you know, playing for 10 people at a farmer's market, interacting with kids, interacting with, you know, all slices of life and, and providing entertainment and providing joy for those people at that moment with something that I believed in. I was in support of something that I really believed in that resonated with me, like bringing, feeding people. That that was good work and that that was meaningful. And I don't know, I, I, I really think that this period of time, I, I want you to ask yourself those questions and how can you uh, do the best work possible and, and release all of that extra stuff. Because, you know, when people do great work, you know, all that other stuff is going to find you. You don't have to, to, to try to uh, pursue it. You do great work and you put it out there, the word gets around. And that, that's, that's how I try to conduct my life. I'm not always pursuing the next big thing. I just, I'm going to do the best work possible. And sometimes that requires me turning things down. And that may require you in your life to, to retreat and withdraw to create. Maybe it's a smaller harvest, but that's a harvest that will be in alignment with your self, inner self, with your soul, and with the, your ability to look in the mirror and uh, have that self-respect. So that's what I have for all of you today. I hope that you are doing well out there. I know that Mars in, in Taurus can be a little bit of a difficult uh, placement, and we may feel like we have to do something to create those material structures and stability in your life, but I would encourage you just, just continue to do the work. The results will come. You have to continue to, to plant the field. You have to know when, when the timing is right. There is uh, human time, and there's universal time, and Right now, we're being asked to really come in alignment with universal time, and it may feel like we're missing the boat, but the universe is always right on time. And I think that you are always uh, exactly where you're supposed to be at this moment. And that can be something that can really bring you back into alignment with your higher self and with your inner peace. So that's what I've got for you today with Mars in Taurus 2. Um, thank you all for, for being here. And uh, if you want to support the work that I do, if you want to lend some material uh, support, uh, I do have a Venmo at Spencer Michaud, and I do have a PayPal me, paypal.me uh, backslash Spencer Michaud, where you can make a, a donation to the work that I do. You're basically buying me the gift of time to do this work, and I appreciate all of you that have donated. You can also hit that subscribe button and that like button. That does help. Uh, that does help the, the, you know, the algorithm to, to get the work out there. Um, but anyway, just leave a comment, you know, let me know how you're doing in your life too. I love the interaction that I, that I get on these channels with you. That is something that fills me with joy as well. Tell me what you're learning from these videos and how it's working out in your life. That's a, that's a, a form of energy exchange as well. And um, something that I really value from doing this work. So uh, I hope that you're all well out there. Take it easy. And I will talk to you soon. Peace.